from Movendi International, I'm Mike Dünnbier. Welcome to the Alcohol Issues podcast in our 19th episode. I'm excited to welcome Michele Cecchini today for an in-depth conversation about the brand new OECD report on alcohol harms and policy. The conversation was recorded on May 19th, 2021, just before the report was released. For the 19th episode of the Alcohol Issues podcast, we welcome Michele Cecchini. He is the Senior Health Policy Analyst and Project Leader Public Health at the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Grouping 35 member countries and working with over 100 countries, the OECD is a global policy forum that promotes policies to improve the economic and social well-being of people around the world. It provides a forum where governments can compare and exchange policy experiences, identify good practices and promote decisions and recommendations. Through its work on health, the OECD helps countries achieve high-performing health systems by measuring health outcomes and health system resource use and by analyzing policies that improve access, efficiency and quality of health care. The brand new OECD report analyzes the cost of alcohol consumption in 52 countries, including OECD, European Union and G20 countries, and the economic case for enhancing policies to tackle alcohol harm. The report, called Preventing Harmful Alcohol Use, presents new evidence on the health, social and economic burden of alcohol harm and presents compelling data on the potential of improved alcohol policy solutions that can save millions of lives and generate savings that are greater than the implementation costs. In our conversation, we crunch some of the most significant numbers in the report. This means that Michele and I discuss alcohol consumption and harm trends before and during the pandemic. Michele puts economic figures in context and perspective to illustrate the magnitude of alcohol harm and how it affects health system functioning and the overall economy. The report makes a compelling case, driven by astounding economic data, for upscaling investment in alcohol policy solutions. I talk with Michele about these policy measures. He explains the triple dividend of tackling alcohol harm and what the four-piece package is all about. We explore the gaps that remain in countries' alcohol policy responses across six policy areas. I really enjoyed this deep dive into the brand new OECD report with Michele. Talking about the report's key findings helps put into perspective the potential of alcohol policy solutions. For example, Michele explains the return on investment into alcohol policy measures and in this way helps chart the way towards building back better after COVID-19 with the help of alcohol prevention and control. Here is our conversation.
Good morning, uh, Michele. Thank you for uh, joining us today and coming on the Alcohol Issues podcast to discuss the brand new OECD report. I think you will release it actually at 11 o'clock uh, later today. Um, so we are recording early on Wednesday morning. Very welcome. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here uh, discussing uh, uh, with Listen to the Movement International about the new report of the OECD. And um, I wanted to ask you, so I looked at uh, the report. I tried to read it in, in detail. So first of all, I think it's very timely and it's very com comprehensive. So you look at alcohol harm as a public health priority trends and patterns in alcohol consumption, uh, policies and actually social norms in Europe, uh, the health and economic burden of alcohol, alcohol harm in the context of educational outcomes. I thought this is remarkable that, that you include this, um, alcohol policy solutions and the impact of these policy solutions on health and economy. To start us off, why did you write this kind of comprehensive report and why is it coming out now? Uh, this is a part of our activities on, on the economics of public health. Uh, OECD, as you may know, is an in, uh, intergovernmental organization focusing on the economic aspects. Uh, we provide advice and support to countries that want to promote better policies for better lives. Uh, and as part of our work, uh, we look at different risk factors. Uh, we, this is a follow-up to a report we produced in 2015 uh, and uh, is a companion report to other similar reports we are doing for other major risk factors. Last year, we released the one on obesity. Uh, the idea is uh, to give uh, policymakers uh, in, um, in one place uh, all uh, the most uh, uh, updated and available evidence uh, on uh, a specific risk factor. Alcohol is certainly one of the major risk factors uh, to population health uh, in the OECD, um, which is a group of uh, mainly high and middle income countries, but much beyond this. Our report uh, analyzes also uh, countries in the G20, for example, countries uh, uh, at middle and lower income. And we saw that also in these countries, alcohol consumption uh, plays a significant role in uh, shaping population health, but also is a cost uh, for the economies due to increased health expenditure, uh, reduced labor force productivity, uh, which ultimately has an impact on the GDP of countries. Yeah, and I think this will be very interesting to discuss more with you in, in the coming hour. Um, the, the economic case, both in terms of assessing the burden that you have done and assessing uh, the return on investment in, in alcohol policy. I think the report really has some a strong analysis there. Uh, but I wanted to start us off by just asking, <laughs> obviously we are still living um, uh, through the pandemic and I think um, you wrote the report already, obviously, last year, so probably at the height of the first and, and second wave. What is it, uh, Michele, that you find in terms of alcohol use, alcohol harm during uh, the pandemic? What are the, the biggest findings uh, that you um, write about that, that uh, you think about in this context? As you, as you mentioned, we started looking at uh, uh, this report even before the COVID, uh, when we started working on it. And clearly COVID uh, uh, changed significantly the life of, uh, uh, of all the people across the globe. Uh, we also looked at uh, uh, how COVID changed uh, 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 patterns of uh, alcohol consumption across countries. 
Uh, now, clearly, uh, results on these uh, are still uh, preliminary. Uh, it takes a little bit of time uh, to, um, to get access uh, to, to the new data. So uh, most of the analysis we were able to carry out focus on the first wave uh, of, uh, of the COVID uh, uh, epidemic. And uh, uh, for most of the uh, uh, year 2020, uh, let's say first half uh, to first of year 2020. Uh, we looked at available data and we saw that uh, um, overall, uh, uh, most people uh, did not seem to change uh, the drinking amount, uh, but uh, uh, among those that changed uh, the quantity uh, of alcohol they drink, uh, uh, a higher share of population increased uh, actually consumption rather than decreasing. Uh, so uh, we identified a survey on uh, uh, about 11 countries uh, that was carried out in uh, up to June 2020. And among these respondents, we saw that 40% uh, uh, <clears throat> of people did not report any, any change, uh, but 36 uh, increased their consumption and the remaining part uh, decreased it. Now, uh, it's, uh, the quantity is not the only uh, component. Uh, mm -hmm. We also saw that, uh, uh, I mean, this data is overall baked also by uh, more uh, stronger uh, data that uh, comes from uh, uh, data that the government collect uh, in terms of sales uh, of alcohol and essentially revenues, uh, taxation of, of alcohol. And for these data, we have data, uh, for, for this um, analysis, we have data for, uh, for a bunch of countries, uh, three countries, mainly UK, uh, United States, and so on, and Germany. And in these countries, uh, uh, government revenues increased by between three and 4% on average uh, during this period. Now, as I said, volume is not the only thing. Uh, there is also the patterns of alcohol consumption, how often one person uh, drinks and uh, uh, whether, uh, for example, this person binge drinks or not. Uh, mm -hmm. We saw uh, that uh, uh, there is an increase in the frequency of drinking. So people drink more frequently over the week uh, compared to what they did before COVID, but it doesn't necessarily translate uh, into an increase in binge drinking. Um, so drinking more than uh, uh, essentially, for example, 80% of a bottle of wine uh, in a single occasion. Uh, the last uh, uh, big change uh, that our analysis identified was that uh, clearly the place of drinking uh, mm. changed significantly. Uh, while uh, before a significant share of alcohol was uh, drunk uh, outside home, uh, restaurants, uh, uh, places, uh, uh, venues, and so on, now uh, most of the... Um, of the, of the alcohol is uh, uh, consumed actually at home. And this clearly had also an impact uh, on the type uh, of uh, uh, sector, of the hospitality sector. So uh, for example, uh, hotels, bars, restaurants were, were severely hit by the crisis, the COVID crisis, while for example, e-commerce uh, saw a significant increase in number of sales. I think I have two follow-up questions. I think it's very interesting that you have data from the United Kingdom, the United States and Germany, as you said, showing that government revenue from alcohol actually increased. And I think it's remarkable because usually it's in the um, on-trade sector that uh, the biggest profit margins are. So because the prices are bigger there, but that on-trade sector was closed down. And I, I think in, especially in the UK and in Germany, uh, I think the US tried to keep it open through different uh, policy measures there. So what is, can you explain what is happening? Um, how this 
how the, the government revenue can actually increase in, in this situation? Uh, I, in this case, we are talking about alcohol duties. Um, so the, the quantity of taxation that uh, is on, uh, based on mainly volume of alcohol, cons of alcohol uh, content. Um, as I said, uh, the, the increase uh, in these countries, uh, which doesn't mean that uh, uh, happens in other countries as well, and for uh, not the whole year, but uh, in, in a few months, or in the first half of the year, increases slightly, 3 to 4% in, uh, in all the three countries. Uh, essentially, uh, what, uh, uh, what both these data and the data on the survey confirmed is that people uh, continue drinking, uh, uh, at least in these countries, at a comparable level uh, compared to, to before COVID. Um, a little bit of increase, particularly in the early months, uh, may be also cause of stockpiling. Uh, it, uh, um, we saw in many types of products, uh, people at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, they were worried. Uh, they thought it's better to have uh, a good quantity of different products uh, from toilet yeah. paper to everything at home. And uh, this may have also uh, be the case for, uh, for alcohol. But overall, uh, the, this data suggests that over a significant period of the year, essentially the, the sales of alcohol remain stable and if anything, they increased a little bit. Yeah, and I think this is interesting. Um, I come to think of the empty shelves when it comes to toilet paper and in Germany, I think spaghetti, um, people stockpiled on that. We didn't hear news about empty shelves on, on alcohol. Uh, I think that's interesting. Probably the industry was, did a good job of supplying um, the demand. And then you also mentioned, I think this is very important and also for the conversation about alcohol harms during the pandemic that of course, consumption venues changed. So uh, online retail, uh, on-demand delivery and consumption venues changed to the home. What could you find in terms of uh, changes in alcohol related harm? Maybe there is then less violence outside bars, but maybe more violence in homes, or what does the report say uh, in this context? Yes, uh, that, that's uh, something that we have also analyzed, uh, how, how the, risk, uh, uh, the risk associated with harmful alcohol consumption uh, changed uh, during the COVID epidemic, uh, and particularly what type of persons uh, were those uh, at, uh, at highest risk uh, of having uh, harmful patterns of alcohol uh, consumption. And one thing that uh, uh, the statistics uh, uh, from countries uh, uh, suggest is that uh, um, domestic violence incidents increased. Um, this is uh, uh, um, domestic violence is uh, highly associated, is highly correlated with a harmful pattern of alcohol consumption. For example, across EU countries, there was a 60% rise in emergency calls about domestic violence. And um, in many other countries of the OECD, we saw uh, that uh, uh, during uh, the, the pandemic, there was increase in, uh, in emergency call, in calls and uh, helplines. Uh, clearly, uh, not, uh, uh, not, this, uh, not all this increase uh, is, uh, can be amenable to a uh, harmful pattern of alcohol consumption, but we know that uh, a harmful patterns of alcohol consumption are, uh, are, are risk factors for an increase in, in domestic violence, and uh, more in general, harmful patterns of alcohol consumption uh, have, have an increase in, uh, um, in violence and, uh, and crime in some cases. And in the report you write, um, that high-risk patterns of uh, alcohol consumption are highly prevalent in some groups. And uh, I think the groups are underage and binge alcohol consumers and heavy users. And here, for example, I, I found it very interesting that 
parents of young children are um, becoming heavy users or increasing their alcohol use. Uh, women, I think you have there, but also underage, that one in five um, underage uh, people are intoxicated at least twice, is it per month? So can you talk about these high risk patterns in, in these different groups? What is it that you are particularly concerned about? Sure, uh, there are, uh, uh, I would divide uh, uh, the discussion into uh, two parts. So the first one is uh, uh, what we knew before COVID and then mm -hmm. what happened uh, during COVID. Uh, now, for example, uh, the, the, the figure that uh, you gave of one in five children uh, that reported being intoxicated by alcohol at least uh, uh, twice in their life, uh, this is data that uh, came before COVID. Uh, mm -hmm. If we look at the volume of alcohol consumption uh, in the OECD at least, it remains uh, overall uh, stable uh, in the last decade, uh, again, talking about uh, before COVID. Uh, but uh, this doesn't mean uh, that there is a, a space for uh, complacency because uh, uh, there are uh, particularly harmful patterns in uh, uh, specific population groups. Uh, so one is uh, underage children, um, the people aged less than 18, for example, in many OECD countries that in principle uh, should not have uh, access uh, uh, to alcohol consumption. And we see that 60% uh, uh, of uh, these children, at least in many European countries, had drunk uh, alcohol at least uh, uh, in their life. And uh, even more worrying, one in five, 20% uh, uh, got, uh, got intoxicated. It's true that uh, uh, during the last years, uh, though uh, the um, age of initiation to alcohol consumption increased slightly uh, in, uh, in these population groups, but still uh, these figures are very, very worrying. Uh, the second uh, uh, group uh, that is uh, of uh, uh, high risk are these people that are heavy drinkers. Uh, we carried out a brand new analysis uh, uh, on micro level data and we saw that uh, actually a very significant part of the total alcohol consumption in countries is drunk by a minority of people. Uh, mm -hmm. We did analysis for six countries uh, um, uh, and uh, uh, Canada, England, France, for example, Korea, United States, and we saw that between 30% and 50%, meaning up to half of the all alcohol consumed in, in the country, is consumed by very heavy drinker uh, that constitute only between 4 and 14% of the population. Uh, so really, uh, in the majority of, in, in these countries, less than 10% of the drinkers drink uh, up to almost half of, uh, of all the alcohol consumption. And clearly, these are heavy drinkers that uh, the healthcare services government uh, should take care of, uh, as well as children. Another uh, particularly interesting pattern uh, is uh, uh, of uh, um, women, particularly high-educated um, high edu high women, yeah. that are much more likely uh, to uh, have harmful drinking patterns compared uh, to, uh, to, to other women. This is our analysis before COVID. Now, uh, as you mentioned, during the COVID pandemic, we saw that uh, the increase in, uh, in alcohol consumption uh, was not spread uniformly across the whole population, but there were some population groups uh, that uh, had uh, uh, higher risk. Uh, in particular, uh, you mentioned parents of young children, middle-aged people, um, in particular, people with depressive uh, disorders and anxiety symptoms. Uh, the, and according to, to the evidence we found and we collected, these are the groups uh, that uh, increased most their alcohol consumption. 
So again, uh, when it comes to talking about harmful alcohol consumption, uh, there are uh, specific population groups that are at higher risk, uh, and these should be the uh, target priority uh, for policies uh, uh, to, uh, to tackle these risk factors. Yeah, and I think um, this analysis is very important because to my mind, it shows some form of vicious cycle. So you mentioned uh, women, but also parents that uh, some, uh, I think the parents of young children have increased their alcohol consumption. So um, in, in this context that you have explained uh, earlier with the change of the venue, I think that increases uh, certain problems or is likely to increase certain problems. And I think in the report, you also write about that um, screen time of uh, also underage children is increasing. So likely their exposure to alcohol promotions is increasing. So if you, if you say that already before the pandemic, 60% of uh, minors had actually consumed alcohol, there is a problem there with uh, more exposure. So I think we look at this kind of uh, vicious cycle, a big uh, problem in uh, overall and in some groups before and now uh, developments from the pandemic coming in, adding uh, to this. Yes, that's, uh, uh, that's exact. Uh, um, regulating uh, uh, promotion of alcohol uh, uh, aimed uh, at children or uh, that can, in which children can, to which the children can be exposed uh, is certainly one of the priorities that comes out uh, uh, from our policy analysis. Um, uh, you already uh, promotion of uh, um, alcoholic product, uh, according to the data we collected, for example, on uh, expenditure for advertising, during the last few years, uh, moved from uh, traditional media uh, to uh, social media, new media, uh, which are much more difficult to, to uh, control and to regulate uh, for countries. And only a handful of OECD countries have regulations uh, on, on this type of media. And uh, uh, this type of media uh, are very accessible and, in fact, uh, are uh, more accessible to younger generation compared to uh, older generation, adult population. Um, and during the COVID pandemic, we saw that, for example, children uh, increased their exposure, the use of uh, this type of media by 50% uh, compared to uh, before uh, the COVID pandemic. Uh, and we also know that, for example, being exposed to alcohol advertising for children means increasing the likelihood of initiation to alcohol and, uh, and to use of alcohol. Uh, therefore, uh, uh, this is an area that we identify as one of the top priorities for countries uh, to, to take action on. The OECD, of course, uh, holds uh, a special credibility, legitimacy when it comes to economic policy. And uh, you write in the report about, um, I would say, an assumption that uh, unemployment effects and effects of, I think, disaster experience also have a medium term uh, consequence for alcohol consumption. So. Could you talk about this, um, uh, the unemployment, uh, the rise in unemployment in the OECD and what you expect for alcohol harm uh, coming out of the, the pandemic here? Uh, if, I, if I may, uh, we looked more at, uh, at the way around. Um, we know that uh, um, people with pa uh, harmful patterns of alcohol consumption are more prone to develop chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. uh, chronic diseases can be cancer, cardiovascular diseases, uh, um, alcohol use disorders, uh, and uh, among the, the most uh, common one. Uh, 
Uh, and uh, uh, these people then, uh, uh, because of the diseases, are less, less likely to be employed. Uh, and if they have a job, uh, they are less likely uh, to be uh, fully productive uh, because of what is called presenteism and uh, absenteism. Presenteism uh, means that uh, uh, they are at work, but they are not in the best health condition uh, to be productive. Uh, therefore, uh, they have a lower productivity and absenteism because of the disease. They have to take care of their disease and uh, do not fully participate to the economic activity of their company and more broadly of the, of the country. Uh, so we tried to measure what is the economic impact of uh, um, uh, chronic diseases uh, amenable uh, to uh, harmful patterns of alcohol consumption. And uh, we concluded that the impact on, on the economy is significant. Uh, over the next 30 years, I mean up to 2050, uh, we evaluated that uh, the uh, gross domestic product, the GDP, so the, the economy of uh, OECD countries would be 1.6% lower uh, than uh, it would be otherwise uh, because of the uh, impact of NCDs uh, that are uh, amenable to harmful patterns of alcohol consumption. Uh, this means uh, that uh, there will be a reduced labor force productivity, there will be a, a lower life expectancy, there will be a, a, a smaller population that all contribute uh, to a reduction in GDP. Can you put this 1.6% lower GDP into some context for me to understand? To me, it sounds like it's a lot. Um, I think we talk about uh, governments should spend 2% of their uh, GDP on uh, military spending. I think NATO countries or and 1% or 0.7 on development aid. So how can I understand these 1.6? Uh, 1.6 is, uh, is a very significant share of, uh, of the economy. I mean, uh, uh, beyond uh, what are uh, the usual, for example, uh, action to boost uh, uh, the economy, and you already cited uh, a few examples. So uh, it's uh, indeed a significant share of the economy uh, that uh, is, uh, is lost uh, due to the chronic diseases amenable to harmful alcohol consumption. And this is for countries across the OECD region, so it might be higher in one country, a little bit lower in, in another? Clearly, uh, it depends uh, a lot depending on, uh, on the country. We produce the analysis for all the OECD countries and even beyond OECD countries. But for example, uh, uh, it is uh, a little bit more than 3% in Poland, uh, just to mention one uh, that, has, uh, 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 that shows a very high impact. Um, for Germany, for example, it's a little bit higher than this 1.6%, similarly for the US. For example, in Japan or France is a little bit less, uh, this 1.6%. Uh, of course, uh, looking at the OECD, it's much smaller in countries that uh, have uh, a, a lower uh, uh, share of people that drink. So, for example, per day. And I think that brings us to the conversation about something that I found very interesting, um, the triple, triple dividend of preventing alcohol harm. Um, can you just explain what the three elements here is of addressing um, alcohol harm, preventing, reducing it? Sure. Uh, particularly in the COVID pandemic, uh, we identify uh, the, the triple dividend, as you mentioned, of uh, cutting harmful uh, uh, alcohol consumption. The first one 
is that uh, uh, there is a well-known link between uh, uh, alcohol consumption and the reactivity of our immune system. Uh, therefore, particularly in, in a period in which there is a, a pandemic, uh, alcohol use weakens the immune system and preventing harmful alcohol use uh, help individuals cope with the infection uh, and uh, essentially uh, making them uh, more able to, to deal with uh, the epidemic uh, should they develop one. The second dividend is that uh, uh, preventing harmful alcohol use reduces pressure on healthcare services. Uh, until very recently, and uh, uh, is still the case in many countries around the world, uh, hospital and healthcare services are, are under an enormous strain to provide care to patients uh, with COVID-19. Uh, it, uh, it would help enormously uh, try to decrease uh, use of uh, uh, healthcare services for all those uh, cases that are preventable. In other way, not without uh, uh, harmful alcohol, not without uh, uh, the use of healthcare services. So, for example, among the various uh, uh, things that can be done, preventing harmful alcohol consumption uh, would have an impact uh, on alcohol-related conditions and uh, would uh, free time for doctors uh, uh, to take care of COVID patients. The third dividend is that uh, uh, having a, a healthier and more productive population uh, will uh, help better restart the economic activities and social life uh, in the aftermath of the pandemic. Uh, and that this goes back to, to the point we were discussing before, uh, which uh, uh, people with uh, chronic diseases, with uh, uh, conditions that are uh, amenable to uh, harmful patterns of alcohol consumption, uh, are less active in the economy. And having uh, an active and healthy population uh, will help boost the economy in the afternoon. So I think this triple dividend, um, that's a very important model. I, I think it's really important uh, to understand. And I think we'll go into more uh, detail of some of the things that you have said. Um, uh, I think the health system functioning, um, I have a, a few more questions about this, but in this context then of, I think the triple dividend, you also um, write about the PPP package. So four Ps. What are those? What is this package? Sure. Uh, of course, uh, uh, one thing is that we say that uh, there is uh, a potential uh, for preventing alcohol consumption and uh, it, it produces enormous, uh, um, a significant impact to the economy. Uh, the next step that we analyze is that how country can uh, achieve uh, this, uh, uh, this gain. And uh, uh, we came out with this uh, 4P, the PPP uh, approach, uh, which essentially means uh, um, primary care uh, to help patients with harmful pattern of alcohol consumption. Second, mm -hmm. uh, regulation of promotion. Third, uh, policing to limit alcohol-related injuries and violence. And the fourth is pricing policies. But let me tell you a little bit of uh, uh, each of these uh, uh, components. The first one, as I said, is uh, primary care to help patients. We said uh, that uh, uh, there is a minority of the population that consumes uh, uh, a significant share of total alcohol 
in the country. These are persons uh, uh, that uh, have uh, um, harmful patterns of alcohol consumption, and uh, uh, the countries, uh, go, uh, the healthcare systems uh, are not covering these people uh, uh, with uh, the sufficient effort. Uh, we uh, calculated, uh, according to the data we found, that uh, less than uh, or about 10% of people that uh, would benefit from a primary care intervention from being followed up uh, for uh, problems related to alcohol consumption uh, are actually covered in, for example, Europe uh, or North America. Uh, there is uh, enormous uh, uh, space to improve uh, uh, the provision of services for uh, these persons uh, uh, that have uh, harmful patterns of alcohol consumption and uh, problematic the second one, promotion. Can we stay one, one sure. more minute with, because I think this is so important and I think you explain it well. So that's, I think how this P on primary care uh, refers to also one of the triple dividends, the health system dimension there. So I think this point that our health systems, even in the OECD, as you said, the high and middle income countries are actually not well equipped to deal with people who experience alcohol use disorders and, and severe problems. And I think you have the number in the report, 2.4% of healthcare spending um, is uh, on uh, dealing with alcohol harm. Is, do I understand that correctly? That, is that across the OECD? Uh, the 2.4% is what uh, healthcare services uh, currently spend to treat uh, the chronic diseases related to harmful alcohol consumption. It's not what healthcare services spend uh, uh, to provide, for example, counseling uh, uh, to persons with harmful patterns of alcohol consumption. Um, and uh, as you said, uh, it's not that uh, healthcare services are not well equipped. Uh, uh, certainly, there is uh, too little. Uh, uh, invested uh, in, uh, in uh, dealing with uh, people, in uh, helping people that have uh, uh, problematic drinking patterns. Uh, and uh, as I said, uh, uh, our analysis comes to the conclusion that uh, about 10% of those that would benefit from this intervention get it, which means that 90% of people that would benefit from this intervention are not uh, recruited, are not uh, uh, monitored, and are not uh, uh, covered by healthcare services. Great, so that was very useful. And uh, then I think we can move to the next P. Sure, uh, regulation of promotion. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, we mentioned this before, uh, there is uh, uh, only limited uh, uh, capacity in this moment of uh, governments uh, to uh, monitor uh, particularly new media uh, that are those that are most appealing to the younger generations and uh, uh, we should strengthen policies uh, on this new media. It's very difficult for government to do it uh, um, singularity because these are uh, global uh, uh, networks. Uh, uh, and uh, while some countries, uh, uh, for example, uh, uh, Finland, Estonia, have tried uh, uh, to uh, limit uh, and uh, to the promotion of uh, alcohol products uh, uh, to children on, on social media. I think there is much more that can be done uh, and uh, a more uh, global action or um, inter international action on this aspect uh, is, uh, is needed. Uh, the third P is uh, uh, better policy. Um, policy to limit uh, alcohol-related injuries and, and violence, uh, to limit drink driving, for example, uh, again, uh, uh, if we look at the OECD countries, all the OECD countries have uh, the tools in place, uh, 
there is a, a room to improve, uh, I think, the implementation of, uh, of these policies. Uh, we know that, for example, for drink driving, uh, the intervention works uh, whether uh, the, the person that go out and uh, uh, have a, a nice evening out know that if they drink too much, there is a high risk uh, that uh, they will be identified and they will get a fine. Um, if uh, there is the, the feeling uh, that uh, it's most, more likely that we'll make it home, uh, without encountering any any police on uh, on the street, uh, then uh, even if the the um, intervention is there, even if the legislation is there, uh, the effectiveness of the intervention is limited. So the that first, is law enforcement, actually. Exactly, exactly. Law enforcement, uh, uh, but uh, but also providing services to all those that are victims uh, of violence uh, and uh, making sure that uh, uh, there are. Uh, uh, no, uh, there is no impact on, on others. Mm. Finally, uh, pressing policy uh, to mm. limit the affordability of cheap alcohol. Um, and I would like to focus on, uh, on the cheap alcohol uh, because the cheap alcohol we know uh, is the, uh, the type of alcohol that is most drunk by, uh, disproportionately drunk by uh, those that are uh, very harmful patterns of alcohol consumption. And uh, it is also uh, the one that is uh, most likely to be consumed by children, by underage children, because uh, yeah. uh, they, they don't have uh, sufficient money. They tend not to have sufficient money to buy more uh, uh, price of alcohol. Uh, and uh, uh, in this part, for example, there are a number of countries uh, that have uh, experienced minimum unit pricing, uh, in addition to uh, higher rate of taxation. And minimum unit pricing uh, in, in these countries has shown uh, uh, to, to be very successful uh, in uh, uh, dealing with uh, uh, this uh, uh, type of uh, harmful patterns of alcohol consumption. Um, uh, example from Scotland, for example, uh, uh, worked very well. Canada are some of the countries that uh, um, have uh, uh, this type of intervention. And uh, the data that comes from uh, uh, these countries show uh, that uh, uh, people with harmful patterns of alcohol consumption are those that benefited the most from this intervention. Yeah, specifically about minimum unit pricing because I found the number 207 billion US dollars PPP can be saved uh, until 2050 just from implementing minimum unit pricing. And I wanted to ask you if you could explain what that means. Sure. Um, it means uh, that uh, uh, by implementing this policy uh, nationwide, making sure it is enforced, uh, uh, what would happen is that uh, uh, individuals, and in particular individuals with uh, uh, higher, uh, uh, with harmful patterns of alcohol consumption, would be uh, less likely, uh, uh, would decrease the consumption, uh, mm -hmm. which would uh, translate uh, into a reduced uh, possibility of developing uh, chronic diseases associated with harmful alcohol consumption. So uh, number of, for example, uh, uh, cancers will decrease, the number of uh, uh, road traffic injuries will decrease uh, and, and so on. And uh, uh, this would mean savings uh, for the healthcare system. Exactly. If a country implemented the 4P package, uh, down the line, there will be a saving of 28 billion per year. Its figure is, is significant. Uh, just to give you an idea, uh, 28 billion uh, US dollar uh, is, is equivalent to the health spending of Israel, for example, 
or to the or uh, <clears throat> half of the current spending of, of Sweden. So again, we are talking about uh, a significant amount of money uh, that governments can use uh, um, in various ways, either to provide better services, uh, for example, to people, for example, to upscale uh, interventions uh, on counseling uh, for people with harmful alcohol consumption uh, that we say that is, uh, is too low. So um, it's, uh, it corresponds to about 0.5% of total health spend. In the report, you write that gaps remain in the policy response and you list them. I think they correspond also to the 4P packages um, but usually governments uh, modify cost availability, driving under the influence, marketing, screening and brief interventions and consumer information. And in, in which of these elements of alcohol policy making do you see the biggest gaps or the biggest potential? I, I think that the top priorities for, for governments, particularly in the aftermath of the COVID pandemic, uh, should be uh, the advertising, uh, in particular advertising aimed at children, um, the, um, the, the policy and the drink driving in which there are uh, also uh, some gaps and the strengthening uh, uh, primary care. Um, these are uh, the areas uh, that uh, should be targeted first. Uh, let me also add that I think that tackling cheap alcohol, uh, which is, uh, as I said, disproportionately disproportionately consumed by individuals with harmful pattern is a, is a priority. And I think you make the point that um, integrated approaches between these different measures are the most effective and, and cost effective. And uh, you write about different prevention packages. And can you explain the return on investment? I think you have really striking numbers here one dollar invested in uh, in a prevention package. What uh, what is the result here? Exactly. Uh, what we argue is that uh, there is uh, no magic wand, if you want, uh, that can uh, tackle harmful alcohol consumption. Uh, what uh, we really advise governments, uh, uh, we suggest governments do, is uh, to implement policy packages. Policy packages because they are able to tackle all the different determinants of alcohol consumption. Clearly, to what extent invest more in one of the intervention in the package or the other uh, is with, with the governments, uh, and uh, uh, it, it needs to be find uh, a balance uh, between uh, the various uh, uh, actions. Having said that, uh, we calculated that investing in the PPP package, uh, meaning uh, uh, the, the policies. Uh, uh, for a uh, promotion uh, to regulate promotion policing uh, against violence, uh, price policies for cheap alcohol, and uh, um, finally primary care uh, for people with uh, harmful patterns of alcohol consumption as a very good return on investment. We calculated that every single dollar or euro invested in this uh, package across the OECD would give a return on investment of 16. Uh, dollars or euro. Uh, essentially, uh, this is uh, uh, because uh, uh, by upscaling action in uh, uh, this uh, uh, package, uh, there would be a healthier population that would contribute more uh, to the economy. Uh, there would be changes in healthcare expenditure. Uh, there would be uh, an increase in life expectancy down the line. Uh, this uh, has a positive impact uh, on, on the economy of 
Recently, Michele, the WHO Europe um, published a report also looking at uh, the entire uh, policy implementation landscape in the region. And they found that alcohol has uh, become cheaper uh, over time because governments are not doing a good job in indexing alcohol taxation rates to inflation rates. And I just wanted to ask uh, your view on alcohol taxation. I understand minimum unit pricing, eliminating cheap alcohol. You have explained that very well. But what do you think about alcohol taxation um, across the OECD? We also did similar analysis to those uh, uh, that uh, were carried out by colleagues uh, at the World Health Organization. And we also found that in the countries we analyzed, not in all countries, but in majority uh, of the countries, alcohol became cheaper uh, over time uh, compared to other type of products uh, uh, that uh, uh, could, uh, could be bought. In particular, uh, the affordability of alcohol increased uh, uh, for younger people uh, compared mm. to, uh, to the past. Uh, therefore, uh, uh, certainly, uh, making sure uh, that uh, uh, alcohol taxation is set at the right level is, uh, is an important option for government. And in particular, uh, we know that a very cheap alcohol is the one that is uh, uh, particularly preferred by those uh, that uh, instead uh, uh, need the most help uh, uh, to decrease their uh, levels of alcohol consumption. You write about the OECD micro simulation and uh, that this finds that the whole population interventions have the biggest impact. I think you have talked about actually some of these interventions very well, marketing, um, uh, affordability. And can you just explain, please, what the OECD micro simulation does? So that what's the confidence that we can have in this assessment? of uh, whole population interventions. Sure. Uh, the OECD microsimulation model uh, is, uh, is a model that we have been developing over the last uh, 10 years. It has been used in many other analyses uh, uh, that OECD does on uh, public health things. Uh, it essentially, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a piece of software uh, that uh, uses uh, data from, uh, from countries, data from international sources, and we replicate the dynamics, uh, uh, the epidemiologic and the economic dynamics of a country. Um, and we use uh, uh, this uh, virtual world uh, to make shops uh, that are, for example, the implementation of a new policy, um, the, um, the increase in the enforcement of a policy already in place. And we look at uh, how the population would respond based on the data from uh, the population. Uh, we, we paid particular attention in developing our model. Our model is, uh, has been reviewed and uh, uh, has been used in, in a number of studies that are published on uh, the key journals and has been reviewed, I think, more than 30 times now uh, by different people that looked at, uh, at our studies before they, they were actually published on, on journals. Um, we also clearly compare our model with other uh, big models or uh, important attempts that are made uh, in other uh, uh, research institutes uh, or intergovernmental organizations. So we are very confident of the analysis of our model. Now we have been discussing, uh, I think, the economic dimension of uh, alcohol harm and the return on investment. And we have also focused a little bit on the healthcare dimension and spending and, and what would need to be 
invested to uh, improve the health of people. So uh, I think this report, as I said in the beginning, comes at a highly timely moment. Um, and I just wanted to ask you with these two, the economic, the healthcare dimension, thinking about the pandemic, um, how would you explain to a policymaker in the OECD the potential of um, the prevention packages for building back better? What is the case that, that you would make or what is the, the talking points that policymakers should take away here? Um, I think the talking points uh, are, are the following. Uh, harmful alcohol consumption has a significant impact on, uh, on the health uh, and economy of countries. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemics, uh, uh, if anything, uh, has uh, slightly worsened uh, the, the situation and uh, uh, there is a need uh, to take action, particularly in certain areas. Uh, we identified uh, a number of areas in which uh, uh, countries uh, uh, have room to improve, uh, specifically, uh, for example, on uh, uh, primary care interventions, uh, promotion of uh, advertising aimed at children, uh, policing uh, uh, to prevent uh, uh, violence and drink driving related to alcohol, and uh, finally, uh, price policies uh, to target cheap alcohol, which is disproportionately drunk uh, uh, by uh, people with harmful pattern of alcohol consumption. Investing in this uh, uh, package of policies has an excellent impact on population health, uh, decreases healthcare expenditure, and uh, uh, promotes uh, a healthier economy for the countries. Clearly deciding on which, path, on which policies uh, a country uh, should invest stands with the policymakers and a right balance uh, between the policies targeted at uh, uh, harmful people with harmful patterns of alcohol consumption and instead the broader policies that are uh, cheaper to implement uh, should be uh, found. The 2015 OECD report on alcohol harm and alcohol policy that I think, Michele, you also co-authored. Um, in, in my understanding, working with this had a significant impact on the whole conversation, um, new momentum, paying attention to alcohol harm as a public health priority. What is it that you expect uh, from, from this report? Can you already see that governments are asking you for this analysis, this comprehensive report that you have written now? What is it that you expect and hope for um, in terms of uh, government uh, reaction, policy uptake, conversation? Sure. Uh, I mean, the, the creation of the report itself uh, is, is an opportunity for OECD governments to discuss about the problem, uh, about any issue uh, that uh, we uh, produce, uh, we, uh, for which we produce analysis. And uh, uh, also, the process in itself uh, is, uh, is already interesting. We hope uh, that government can use the evidence uh, that we produce uh, uh, to take decision and uh, um, promote uh, better policies for better lives. That's uh, really uh, the raison d'etre, as in French, we say, of, of the OECD. Uh, the role of OECD is uh, to put uh, together the most advanced and updated evidence on an issue. Uh, clearly, policy action remains with the countries. Uh, we understand that there is a lot of interest in our report from ministers of health and other stakeholders. Uh, across the globe. 
Yeah, and I think it fits very well into um, the global process at the World Health Organization to actually develop um, um, a global action plan to implement the global alcohol strategy much better. And I think you have highlighted some of these issues very well. Uh, you mentioned that uh, online alcohol marketing has clearly a cross-border dimension where governments need to support each other, many other issues. So yeah, in, in this whole context, I also think that um, this report uh, will add to the conversation. I think the evidence, the figures you have in it, you have explained the model so that we can have confidence in, in the analysis. Uh, I'm looking forward to this uh, discussion in the coming weeks and, and months about uh, your report. Thank you very much. So thank you so much, Michele, for coming on um, our podcast today. This was really fantastic to discuss with you. Thank you, thank you for taking uh, the time and good luck with releasing the report and responding to everybody who wants to know uh, about this. Thank you very much, Mike. It was uh, my pleasure to talk to you uh, this morning. Uh, I hope uh, that uh, listener to the podcast will find uh, our discussion interesting. This podcast episode is part of Movendi International's work to promote evidence-based alcohol policy development and to translate scientific evidence into policy action that protects people and communities from alcohol harm. In the show notes, we share key resources with you about the new OECD report as well as OECD's previous alcohol policy report. If you have feedback, questions and suggestions, please get in touch. My email address is mike.dunbier@movendi.ngo. You can also reach me on Twitter and find my contact details in the show notes. The Alcohol Issues podcast is made by Arin Pinho, Taraka Ranchigoda, Kristina Sperkova and Mike Dünnbier. Our theme music for this episode comes from LF Music. That's it for the Alcohol Issues podcast this week. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and stay well and safe and talk to you next week. Music